to join us uh, now to give us a little bit of perspective, uh, as he always does from time to time, David Kloniger from the uh, Post and Courier. It's his first time on the show, and we appreciate your time, Dave. Thanks for stopping by, man. No problem, John. You doing all right today? I am doing well, man. Look, it's football season, basically. I mean, it's kind of like we've got the Open Championship on right now. These guys are hacking it around, and I'm just uh, I'm ready to graduate on to football. And on that note, I mean, you can follow David at DCPNC on Twitter, and uh, we'll give you a chance at the end of the interview here to promote whatever you got going on here in terms of uh, Post and Courier content. Um, let's talk a little bit about what happened last year. And, and obviously, you know, we all know what went down. The Clemson fans are a little sour about it, but hey, you can't get around it. Clemson, for the first time in many, many years, uh, dropped one at home to South Carolina, and I think that was as much of a lift to South Carolina as it was a blow to Clemson. Before that, though, the Tennessee bonanza down there at Willie B. Uh, What has that done? We've heard Shane Beamer talk about this in media days and other outlets. Uh, Seems to be something they're trying to carry over in terms of not just the positive momentum, but hey, we're going to be vocal about it. There's something to be said about the way we finished. What did you take away from that watching it happen and unfold at the time? Well, first of all, uh, John, it was just incredible that they did uh, win those two games and as convincingly as the first one did and then managing to, to squeak out, you know, of uh, Memorial Stadium with a one-point win yep. over the R-Tribal because before the Tennessee game, they went down to Florida and lost 38-6. to yeah. And Florida was not a good team. Florida lost to Vanderbilt last year. So <laughs> hey, like, listen, what Dave, happened here because Vanderbilt's the, the new was SEC. effectively <laughs> over yeah. after that Florida game. Yep. And somehow they managed to come together, flip the switch, and said, all right, we're just going to do something basic. We're going to get back to what we know how to do. And they come out there and just pulverize Tennessee mm-hmm. and then beat Clemson. And obviously, first time ever that South Carolina's beaten two top ten uh, programs in back-to-back weeks. And the little icing on top of the cake was you know, two traditional rivals. Rivals both wear orange, knocked them both out of the college football playoff. So you, you say that you know, you're know you only as good as your last game. Their last game was the Gator Bowl, which they lost. But the fact is those two games before that have really covered up any kind of disappointment about the Gator Bowl. I mean, it's never good to lose and not making excuses, but they played that game without half of their starting yeah. defense. So you, you could see why it happened. But at the end of Shane Beamer's first year, everybody felt good going the offseason because of the last game. They won a bowl game yep. over North Carolina and Charlotte. This time they didn't win a bowl. But look at those two games they did before it, which are arguably one of the greatest accomplishments in program history. So I'm not used to having, like, pleasant seasons around here. <laughs> but now I've had two in a row. It's like, I'm not really sure how to take this. I mean, there's always something to complain about, but now this, this has been very smooth so far. David Kloniger, who is, uh, who's been suffering through it, but now looking at better days uh, covering the Gamecocks for the Post and Courier. David, I, I covered the Carolina Panthers. It's been lean lately, too. So hopefully we're all coming together at the right time. Hey, look, that uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl, we've had Shane Beamer on the show a few times here, and we've had some fun conversations about it, but at the heart of it, you know, I get the sense from him at the time, and I'm sure his perspective evolves as we all do, but that game was so meaningful. The Dukes-Mayo win, and I know the Mayo bath was sort of a, a, a sort of a sideshow, but it was a nice little recruiting piece, a little advertising piece. More than that, they gave that program the confidence, offense, defense, special teams, they could come together, beat a top-tier program in a neutral site, arguably not a neutral site. Uh, what would what, you say to that if I – would tell you that that win was as significant as any in Shane Beamer's tenure in terms of propelling things forward. 
Oh, sure. I mean, obviously, when you check into a bowl game at 6-6, six and six, you know that's going to be the game between you having a winning or a losing season. And at the end of the day, after all the breakdowns and the minutiae, it's like, look, did you win the game or not? Yeah. And so they were able to win the game in a really incredible fashion because that was the fourth different starting quarterback that they had mm-hmm. that season. It had been a roller coaster year. They went from just getting their butts trashed against Texas A&M to coming home and beating Florida, beating Auburn. And it was like, okay, well, I guess this team's going to you know, maybe pick up something. And then they played a vastly superior Clemson team and lost 30 to nothing at home, yeah. which is like, well, I mean, you probably weren't going to win the game, but you got skunked. <laughs> and that's not a good thing. But then they come out and, you know, they're throwing the ball all around. They're running. And they, they really put North Carolina back on their heels and got them. So North Carolina's obviously not an every-year opponent, but it's the border rival. There's a lot of ACC history there. And obviously South Carolina has a tremendous history playing in the Carolina Panthers Stadium. So yep. it was good to get that. Uh, and, and, again, bounce into the offseason with, with a ton of momentum and just say, like, okay, well, this was a surprisingly better-than-expected season considering the disaster that Shane Beamer took over <laughs> yeah. when he was hired in 2020. And then it just obviously led into last year, and uh, there were some that they want to have back, but there's also some that they wouldn't give back if you forced them to. They were one game better, and then, as we've discussed before, they ended up beating Tennessee at Clemson at the end of the year. David Kleiniger joins us from the Post and Courier, covers the Gamecocks and, and has done it for a long time, and we appreciate your time, Dave. Uh, when you look at the makeup of this team, we'll get into some of the roster uh, minutiae, as you said, here in a minute, but one constant has been Beamer Ball, and, and a big uh, component of that is Pete Limbo, who I, I think we hear his name come up from time to time, and I'll be honest, you know, I fancy myself a football nerd. It took me until a few years ago to really get familiar with Pete's work, and I'm kind of obsessed with him now because special teams, man, it makes it go. And then they've got a punter worthy of some Heisman conversation down there. Talk about Pete, though. You've got to, to know him a little bit from your time covering this team. And it was just so fascinating to watch that Clemson game in particular last year where field position oh, have- in the in the margins just was the complete difference. Yeah, uh, and uh, I guess, John, if, if you remember when Les Miles was at LSU, you know, here in the SDC, Les was a special teams wizard. And the, the rule used to be, especially if you were a new coach, you weren't officially in the SEC until Les had pulled your pants down on a trick special teams play <laughs> and made you look like a dunce. Oh, yeah. I mean, it even happened to Steve Spurrier, you know. Yeah, boy. Uh, they, they, were, they lined up to kick a field goal, and the, the holder blindly flipped the ball over his head. Didn't look. <laughs> and the guy ran right under and took it in for a touchdown, and you yeah. saw Spurrier on the sideline going like, wait, what just happened here? That's great. <laughs> so Pete Limbo is now that guy. Yeah. You're not going to be officially in this league until Pete you know, made you look dumb on a special teams play because at this point, Everybody knows it's coming, and he's still yeah. making it work. Um, Notre Dame had studied Pete's plays, had studied all the fakes they ran. They knew exactly what was going to happen when Kai Kroger went out there <laughs> and to feasibly punt on a short field. It's like, they're going to yep. fake this, aren't yep. they? And they still gave up a touchdown. The most incredible <laughs> thing about that was that was uh, Kai Kroger threw a touchdown to his long snapper, who was the third read on the play. The third. That, he hung in there look, and managed to hit him running wide open you, down the Dave, I, I got to tell Johnny Hecker, who I'm sure you know well, punts for the Panthers. He's been on this show many times. Johnny fancies himself as the best quarterback punter in the league. And I think he would get it if he's probably already heard that story already. But to go through three reads at that point, yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. And, and Kroger, you know, his impact as well. You know, we've talked about 
He could be one of the most valuable players on this team at any given moment. Now, you shifted the offense, Dave, and they make a change at coordinator. We anticipated that would happen. I, I'm not sure. From my time covering the NFL, I remember Dow Loggins was with the Bears with John Fox, and he's well-respected. Uh, I think a lot of fans at first, and you know how the fans can be. It's like, ah, oh, we want the big name. We want Kingsbury. We want, we want what Clemson got. I think Loggins, to yeah. me, is, I'm going to say, they, kind of what they need there. Do, do you see a, a smooth transition right now? Will you see any difference in terms of their schematics, philosophy? How does he align with uh, Shane Beamer in terms of their vision? Well, it's hard to say right now, uh, John, just because with Dowell, he's never coordinated a college offense before. Yeah. And you say, well, if he's done the NFL, he should be able to do it in college. Well, maybe that would be true in any other year but this one. But right now, South Carolina really doesn't have a running game. Yeah. Now, they have five scholarship running backs. But, again, it, once you start to peel back the weeds a little bit, the carry-on joiner was a receiver. They've moved him over to running back. Okay, he's going to be your starter. Juju McDowell, definite scholarship running back. He's 5'9 and 180. You can't run that into the line more than five times a game. No. There's true freshman, D.J. Braswell. And then there is Mario Anderson, who was an All-American last year at Division II Newberry. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, yep. if you don't got, they don't have much of a running game right now. And so for Dowell Loggins, it's, um, you're, we're sorry, but you're going to have to coordinate this offense and not know if you're ever going to be able to run the ball effectively. Now, if they find an answer in those first couple of games, hey, everything should be cool, smooth, no matter what. Yeah. But right now, it's a really difficult test for him to pass because they don't have anybody known running the ball for him. Now, they've got a lot of gifts. Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, Trey Simon, uh, Josh Simon, Trey Knox. They've got a lot of ways to pitch and catch the ball. Mm-hmm. But, of course, if you're the defensive coordinator and you know that they can't run, what are you going to do? So that's Dowell's challenge. He's got to figure out a way to get past this. And, you know, he's a great guy. He's nice. He's settled in. All the players say they love him. But in terms of production, it's going to be a case of like, well, it's going to be tough to do without a running back. And first try in college, I think a reason, that's where the fan criticism might come back up and say it wasn't so much you hired this guy. It was that you said, oh, we've got tons of huge interests in this position. You should see some of the names I'm talking to. And you hired a guy that no one's ever heard of. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it was, um, this See, is, uh, this is they, a little concerning. That's but, where I, I'm, hey, I'm, they, I'm, they go out there against <laughs> North Carolina and, and they put up 63 points. That's All's right. They won't care if it's uh, Mr. Ed calling plays at that point as <laughs> long as it's getting done. It's a high bar. I mean, look, it was fascinating to see what happened with Spencer Radler late last season. Uh, to, to what do you attribute that spark. I mean, I, again, I watch the team. I cover them up here in the upstate, but is it a flash in the pan? Is there actual growth here? Is there some trajectory? Because it, like you said, last year, much like the season before, I mean, you, you get pounded by Florida, and all of a sudden, woo, you're putting history on Tennessee, and then you're going to Death Valley and winning. What is uh, what is Spencer Radler right now? Who is he? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's crazy that no one will actually say a definite answer of what exactly happened <laughs> during that week between Florida and Tennessee, right. like, did you guys just completely redefine the offense? I mean, I know that there were some conversations between Shane Beamer and Marcus Satterfield, the former OC, mm-hmm. but the fact is is that I only know what I see, and I've heard enough to kind of piece it together, which was, look, we don't need to be having these 45 scripted plays, 20 of which we're never going to run. Mm-hmm. Let's just pick 12 that we really like, and let's do that. And it worked. Yeah. So, I mean, if you go back and look at the stats, they didn't run the ball at all against Clemson. 
at all. They just couldn't be effective doing it. So they knew they were going to have to rely on the pass, and the pass had worked extremely well in yep. Tennessee. So Spencer always showed last year that the more he got to throw the ball during the game, the more comfortable he looked, the more confident he got, which when they were running the ball early, it was like, well, they kind of had to because Rattler was throwing a lot of interceptions. Yeah. So, of course, he throws two up there against Clemson's really, really bad interceptions, mm-hmm. but they couldn't run the ball. So it was like you just got to keep giving it back to him. So he's taken that confidence uh, on into this season. He's not you know, bragging about it. He says, I feel I'm one of the top QBs in the conference. Yeah, okay, I can see that. I mean, as long as we say top, I like to say top five, mm-hmm. you know, out of a 14-team <laughs> league. But he's there and is confident, and he does have his guys back around him. Now, he knows he's going to need somebody to run the ball for him occasionally. Yeah, and they're just going to have to work that out. But in terms of just a passing uh, quarterback receiving game, they got that. They are perfectly fine with that. Obviously, we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here. Uh, David Cloninger joins us here on Game On, covers the Gamecocks for Post and Courier. And, and I say that also with the understanding that Trey Falco and I in this very studio have picked the entire NFL playoff bracket in August. So there's that. <laughs> I will say this, though. Let's start one game at a time here, and we'll go through the rest in a later date. North Carolina is ahead of us here. Uh, look, we're looking at just like 40 days away from this game. It's right up there in Charlotte, familiar territory. We know the quarterbacks are going to be the storyline. It's going to be a great shootout, we would hope, between these two young, talented quarterbacks that could be pro-ready at some point. We know Drake May is, but when you look at the rest of the roster, you mentioned the running game's a little sour right now is this when you size this matchup up with North Carolina I'm fascinated to get your perspective who's got the upper hand where right now um I'd say South Carolina has got the upper hand because they've got a defense and North Carolina just does not they don't I mean they may put 11 guys out there on the field but come on now nope. I watched that Appalachian State game last year uh, it's like yep. the main thing, though, John, is that they, they don't want to get into a shootout of saying, well, whoever's got the ball last is going to win. Because mm-hmm. that's always going to favor the team with the ball. But if USC can get ahead early by two scores and then just let them play catch-up, they'll win that game. I know North Carolina's favorite right now, but it's, what, one and a half points? Yeah, it's I mean, tight. it's not that big big of a deal. So I think that they win that game, and it's just because they're yeah, USC's got some questions on defense, but they've also got two – amazing safeties, probably the best safety tandem in the SEC, and Drake May is going to be throwing at them. So it's like, okay, go ahead. Pitch, pitch, pitch yep. it at them see what happens. Uh, we we got a fan favorite up here from Gamecocks World. A couple of them here will be covering Panthers camp in a few days myself. And old Deuce Staley is going to be coaching the running backs up here. And, of course, J.C. Horn. Man, we're hoping he stays healthy because uh, he's a good dude. And, boy, he is – he was great at Columbia and down there in the Gamecock land, and he is uh, ever so close to being a lead in the NFL. But the Gamecocks and the Panthers, there's always some connection there. David Kloniger joins us here from the Post and Kerr. Uh, could you educate our listeners here on where we can find your work specifically, and, and is there any type of special publications you're working on right now that they can subscribe to? We'll just get the promos out here. Yeah, just check us out at postedcourier.com. Uh, you know, we're the biggest paper in the state. We've yeah. actually got 30 reporters just here in Columbia now, and we've got about the same number in Greenville and Myrtle Beach and Rock Hill alongside our home base in Charleston. So, uh, you know, just give journalism a chance. We've yeah. got the entire state covered uh, from sports to business to arts to anything you could possibly want. Just check us out. And obviously, as the season gets going here, I'm going to be filling the paper every day with either the, the missives from camp 
or some feature <laughs> stories on some of the uh, impact players this year. We'll just have to see how it goes. But uh, wow. it's, it's about that time, John, it and, is, uh, you know, I think we're all looking forward to it. Well, Dave, you've been too kind, and as somebody who cut his teeth right around the block here at the Greenville News as a stringer in my 20s, uh, writing a little high school Friday nights, man, I can't echo that enough. Support local journalism, and we can't thank you enough for being on our show. We'll promote everything you got going on. David Kloniger from the uh, Post and Courier, appreciate your perspective, man. Let's do this again. Yeah, sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me.